the four main points that I would say to anyone close to me. I, I mean, not many people knew what was going on. I kept it pretty tight. But the four things that I would say is I'll be like, here's my neighbor. He is not a member of the church. He has four children and he's 17 years older than me. Perhaps some people would argue and say she didn't really get the right answer. I know with absolute 110% certainty and conviction that Heavenly Father was asking me to do this. That's Holly Goulding, a 25-year-old woman from Brisbane who recently became a wife and mother all in one day. As someone who was raised a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Holly was taught that establishing strong, loving families that believe in God and Jesus Christ provides a core pillar for happiness. Growing up, it was not uncommon for Holly to hear that she should strive to marry someone with similar values and religious beliefs. So when a new neighbour, an older man with kids of his own and no particular religious inclinations, moved into the house right behind Holly's, her first thought was not one of romance. However, sometimes in life we are guided down paths that don't appear to make sense, a fact which Holly can personally testify to. In this episode, Holly discusses what it's like to grapple with prayer and spiritual revelation and shares how she courageously followed the answers she received to make the most important decision of her life. My name is Maddie Sterling and this is Choosing Faith a podcast where we talk with members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and explore what it's really like to live and continuously choose a life of faith in contemporary Australia. Thanks, Ollie, for joining. I'm really glad you're here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to chat about your, your experiences with prayer and revelation in regards to dating and getting married. Mm-hmm. And I've heard you describe your story as one that's unconventional. So I wanted, to hear a bit more. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to hear more about what led you to choose the path that you're on. You know, as young adults in the church, we're required to make many decisions. Those decisions can really alter the trajectory of your life like quite significantly. And I think it can be very difficult to determine, firstly, what you yourself want for your life, mm-hmm. but also what kind of plan or, ha- or experiences Heavenly Father might have in store. So, yeah, with that in mind, I I think your story really demonstrates a lot of faith and courage, and I'm looking forward to hearing more. (laughs) Thank you. I'm I'm excited to share. I think I've learned a lot throughout this experience. Um, Yeah, so I'm 25 years old and got married last year and, um, you know, now have my own little family as well, Um, busy working and and just all that kind of normal stuff. But, yeah, just loving life, you know, to the the fullest and, yeah, been really, really blessed. (laughs) So you guys got married a year ago. Your husband's name is Wayne. Yes. Yep. And he's not a member of the church. No, he isn't. No. Okay. So in the Young Women's Program of the Church, you know, we're taught from the age of 12 about our identities as daughters of God Mm -hmm. and our divine roles as women on this earth. I think a large part of that is connected with being a wife and a mother. And so that's often what we hear in our lessons. Yep. I don't know about you, but certainly when I was in Young Women's, I I was building up these expectations about what my future would be, the age I would get married, who mm-hmm. that person would be. Yep. And obviously there's like there's a lot of encouragement to date someone who has the same faith as you, just to make things a bit easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what kind of expectations did you have when you were younger? Yeah, I would probably definitely say that <clears throat> I fell into the same category. Um 
And I think it's, I think it's just because at that season of my life, you know, having that framework, I don't think was a bad thing. You know, I, I guess I'm the same. I did have expectations probably like most others that I would marry return missionary around the age that I actually did get married. I always thought around 24, 25, I'd get married. Um, so I guess that part I, I really did attract and that happened. Um, <laughs> marrying a non-member, no, is definitely not what I, you know, ever sort of anticipated, but it is funny because um, if you ask a lot of my close family and friends, as I started to get, you know, a little bit more towards graduating teenage life, I always sort of jokingly said that I would convert my husband. And it was sort of like a half-hearted, like, it's, it's funny because to make it even worse, my dad used to roll his eyes, but I used to always say that I would convert a tattooed bearded hipster man, <laughs> kind of as a joke, right? Um, but at the same time, it was just interesting when I did meet Wayne, where I was like, wow, I actually, you know, in a secular perspective, they probably call it like manifesting or the law of attraction and that kind of stuff. I sort of see it as faith. I really projected that I wanted sort of a bit of a unique story, but I still obviously wanted to follow Heavenly Father. Um, so I thought I would just put that out there from the beginning that I kind of did always sort of want something unique, but I still wanted to you know sort of follow the framework that we'd been given as well. So I was sort of a strange, strange teenager, I guess. And I, of course, you know, by all means, I'm not advocating for going and just getting married outside of the church, which obviously will, you know, I'll explain you know further as we go along. But yeah, I guess like you, know, like you, I sort of did have a bit of a, an idea in mind based on what I was taught, which I don't think is a bad thing. Mm. So what what was your experience like prior to meeting Wayne with dating and YSA? And was it what you expected <laughs> going into young adults? Uh, it's like such a mixed bag reaction from people, I think, in this program, <laughs> how they feel about it. I think going into YSA, you know, as a fresh 18 to 19, 20 year old, I think I was, you know, I was immersed in it. I was, you know, definitely, I wouldn't say that I was like an over data, but, you know, I guess there is also the expectation that guys are the ones that ask the girls. So girls have a little bit less control perhaps um, in Mm -hmm. some senses. So, you know, I definitely dated, got to know lovely guys and, and, and whatnot. Um, I think, not that I regret it, but looking back, you know, when I hit about 21 and onwards, I did become a little bit like, I don't know if I would use the word bitter, but I wasn't overly chuffed about the whole program. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, like for me, I was just sort of more like, I want to just live my life and, and let dating and and that kind of thing just naturally happen when it needs to. I guess I didn't feel like this hungry desire to be dating all the time. If that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's great. you didn't feel like your life couldn't begin until you got married. Like you were really. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I was out traveling. I was starting my own little business. I was sort of making sure I was fulfilling other parts of my life so that I didn't get too hung up on, you know, I'm not getting dated as much as, you know, other girls or whatnot. You know, I just tried to sort of focus on, focus on me, but not in a selfish way where I wasn't going to be open to opportunities as well. I love that. I think the rhetoric around marriage um, can sometimes fall into the trap of mimicking that of a Disney fairy tale, like certainly mm-hmm. in the church, in the sense that, you know, your story seems to end once you get married. You, you <laughs> then live happily ever after and like people never see you again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Basically. That's, you know, <laughs> obviously not the case. Um, your life really is only just beginning or the new chapter of it is only just beginning anyway. Definitely. So was there ever a point before meeting Wayne that you, like many young adults, if not all, were a bit concerned about where your future was headed? Definitely. Yeah. I think that's something that hopefully we could all admit from time to time. You know, there is, I guess, that internal struggle sometimes. And I think, you know, one of the greatest lessons, one of the many greatest lessons that my mum taught me was 
basically write your life plan in pencil so that when the Lord completely changes it constantly, you're not, you know, (laughs) too upset about it. You know, it's not in permanent marker kind of thing. And I think that it was a really amazing um, perspective for me to have because quite often my plans did completely change. I went through some really refining experiences that I did not have written in the plan even. You know, so I think that's where this whole faith and trust for me really started to play into my life around 18 or so where I, I just had to learn to try and relax and take things easy. But, you know, from time to time when there were those moments where I was like, what on earth is going on? And of course, you know, I say what I say previously, but of course there were moments where I was like, who am I going to marry? And from time to time, I would have that despairing thought of like, there's no one here that I'm interested in right now, all lovely people, but you know, how will I meet him? Where will I meet him? You know, those things always cross my mind from time to time. Um, And so, yeah, I think it is just a very much a natural part of life to sometimes stress about that and to sort of get a bit worried when you can't see beyond tomorrow sometimes, you know, next month, whatever it may be. But that's, those are the moments I think that we ultimately come to know God, you know, Heavenly Father and, and to really trust in Him in, in that process. Mm. I do think it is a really wise skill, but I say skill because it takes a lot of practice and effort to be able to lay your plans at the feet of Heavenly Father and say, this is what I envision. But if you've got something greater in store, I'm humble and I'm willing to, to mm-hmm. pursue that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's That's the biggest thing that I think. I remember just the wake-up call moment. I don't remember when it was, but being like, no one told me that faith is actually so uncomfortable and challenging. You know, like it's <laughs> most of the time, I would say most of the time, faith is literally having to, yeah, exactly what you're saying, like giving up things that you thought were the ideal and being like, you know what, I don't actually understand everything. I've just got to trust that he does. Stan. So when did you actually first meet Wayne? This is a pretty cool story. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> for yes. those who don't know and have been questioning you. <laughs> yes, right. Where do I really, well, I'll start right at the very beginning, I suppose. So I lived um, in a share house in Brisbane with four other amazing girls and the sort of the setup of our house, it's kind of hard to explain, but the property that we're on has a driveway down the side and like literally a house right behind us. So we've technically got a like backyard neighbor. Um, and that house had been empty for a few months. And so obviously we're all sort of anticipating what our new neighbors would eventually be like. And I remember one night we heard a car reversing down the side and most normal people would probably let the new neighbor have like three or four days to sort of settle in. And then you go and visit them and say hello and we're such and such. But me and another housemate, actually Kenya at the time, were like, oh, we should run down and just like introduce ourselves. So like this poor individual <laughs> had literally like just started unloading like one car load. And there's these two girls there where they're like super excited, like, hi, obviously thinking it would be a family. And once I sort of looked around and I was like, okay, this gentleman is by himself. I was like, now we look even even weirder. Um, <laughs> you know, that was the initial meeting. We introduced ourselves. We're like, you've been in your driveway for about 10 minutes, but we're your new neighbors. Let us know if we can help <laughs> with anything. Um, didn't think anything, obviously. Didn't think anything at that point. Um, that was literally the first initial meeting. And in hindsight, like I've spoken to him, I was like, how was that for you? He's like, Oh, it was a little like overwhelming and strange, and you know, for my new neighbors to have been there like five, 10 minutes before, after I'd pulled in, but you know, he didn't think anything of it. He's a really chill kind of guy, but um, it was pretty funny. So yeah, that's, that was the first moment I met him. <laughs> that's intense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were intense. We didn't think we were, but I think it might've been a little intense. <laughs> that's cool. So you literally married your neighbor. Um, yeah. How... 
how did that happen? I mean, <laughs> would you just like chat about the garden as you were watering your plants? <laughs> well, it's it's funny. There's there's so many. I mean, I would probably need several hours of people's time to give them all the little details. But you know, it was just really interesting because you know he moved in and then yeah we saw him from time to time and then he did let us know that he was sort of uh, a handyman that would be looking after the houses. So um, you know if we had any problems or needed anything, just to let him know. And um, and I guess this was sort of one of the de- first defining moments for me was I was getting ready and to sort of explain as well, my bedroom literally was like at the back of our house directly facing his house. So I was getting ready for church one morning and, um, and I hear these kids outside and I was like, ah, okay. Like I was starting to piece, you know, some parts of this puzzle together. I was like, all right, this guy is by himself. He's got kids here. So perhaps, you know, he's separated and it's his weekend for kids or whatever. Um, and I heard these, you know, these kids playing outside and I was getting ready for church and, um, Oh, it was the first time um, I just had this overwhelming feeling come over me that you need to share the gospel with the man next door. And I remember being like, wow, like it hit me so hard. And I was like, oh gosh, like it was one of those moments where I couldn't deny it. And for a little backstory, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, And for a little backstory, the weekend he moved in, my housemate's laptop actually got stolen. And so a few people (laughs) were skeptical that maybe this new neighbor had something to do with it. And I remember also feeling a real like sense of defense, like we can't go accusing this guy that's like just moved in. Um, you know, so there were all these little weird things that had happened around this time. Um, and so my other housemate though came in at the same time, uh, probably like maybe 30 seconds after I'd had this and she walked in and she was like, you know, obviously we hadn't spoken about the prompting that I just received, but she walked in and she just said, Holly, I think we need to share the gospel with the new neighbor. And I remember no. just getting absolute, yeah, I just got absolute goosebumps and I was like, oh my goodness, like if the Lord's ever told me to do something so clearly and so directly, it was like that moment right then, right? Like I just was so overcome and I was like, okay, you know, this is amazing. This is really cool and interesting. I guess he didn't steal the laptop, Um, (laughs) you know, and so it was from that moment that I guess I had this resolve in the very beginning, which contributes to a lot of other things that I'll talk about that I needed to share the gospel with this guy. Like, you know, I need to see if he knows God, I need to see what his experience is with that and, and that kind of thing. Um, and so a few months later, that housemate moved overseas. And so I sort of felt like, well, this is, you know, my responsibility. And so during that time though, um, you know, I had many opportunities where I would, you know, try and chat to him, get to know him, hear his story. And there was one night in particular where I knew that I needed to fix my car headlight and I had been to the store and got the stuff. And they said, look, you're going to have to get a mechanic to do this. And I knew that he was quite handy with different things. So I said to a different housemate, Maddie, I was like, do you think it's weird if I message the neighbor to see if he can help me with that, you know, the headlight? And she's like, no, I don't think that's weird at all. So I did that and he was free and happy to come over and did it. And that's when I first started to really hear his story. Um, And I had this deep empathy for him when I learned of the things that he'd gone through um, in the previous years. And I I was, you know, I think I am quite an empathetic person. I really feel emotion around me and I feel for people. And so, you know, I I guess I also started developing just an empathetic connection to him and what he'd gone through in conjunction with that prompting that I'd received. And I was like, oh, I just really want to help this man. You know, it was all just, I want to help this man, you know. Um, and so time continued on and then, uh, because he helped me with my car and he told me about his 15 year old daughter who was getting a camera for her birthday. And I said, look, I'm a photographer as well. I'm happy to take her out. So I took her out a few weeks later and taught her how to use a camera and yeah. (laughs) And he brought the boys along. So I did a couple little family photos for him to have as well. And little things like that, that sort of started to happen over time, um, and spending more time with him. 
still nothing, still not thinking anything, right? And then I started to find out if he had any sort of connection to God and um, he was fixing um, our back porch one day and he offered, you know, he said, oh, did you want to paint with me? And I, you know, I wasn't thinking anything. Neither of us were really thinking much of it, but we were painting. And I, and so I said to him, I was like, you know, with what you've gone through, have you ever thought about God in this? And he said, you know, to be honest, no, like I don't really have much experience with that. But I was so impressed by what he said um, with what he had endured. He said, it was incredibly difficult, but I'm so grateful that I went through that and that I am where I am now. And in hindsight, you know, I've been saved from a lot more heartache and I know that I'm sort of going in the right direction. And I was like, this guy has no concept of God or the plan of salvation or how trials help us. But his, you know, his answer was just so profound to me where I was obviously I'm like thinking, man, this guy's a member without even realizing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but just so impressed by that. And so, yeah, little moments like that and, and whatnot and just sort of got to know him a bit more. And that's sort of what started off the journey in that sense, I suppose. Wow. Yeah. So from the <laughs> beginning, you felt it was at least in the sense of sharing about your belief in God, that part was at least inspired. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Absolutely. So then who made the first move? How did it turn into a romantic relationship? <laughs> This is probably the most embarrassing thing for me to confess about the whole story. So I, I, at the time I was thinking and talking to a connection, a friend of mine, um, and I was like, Hey, I should set you up. She was, she was also divorced at the time, had kids, was in the, in the church. And I was like, Hey, we've had this new neighbor. He's got kids. You guys would be awesome. I was basically trying to set the new neighbor up. Right. And so I, unbeknownst, (laughs) I looked him up on LinkedIn. All I knew is his name and his job, right. Just to try and get a photo to send to this girl, this you know woman. And so anyway, I, I randomly found him first go. I was like, that was so easy. So I sent this photo through and then my housemate um, informed me. She's like, did you know that sometimes depending on your settings, you can view who's seen your profile. Oh no. And I oh, died. No. I, I literally <laughs> died inside. And I was like, no, I was like, that's not a thing. I said, I, I get emails, but I don't see who looks at mine. She's like, well, that might not be a saying. I was like, no, it's fine. And then the next morning I wake up to an email that Wayne Goulding has viewed your profile. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And at this point, like we'd had a few conversations, you know, <laughs> oh, I just, I was so embarrassed because I was like, he's going to think that I'm interested in him because I'm stalking him to get more details, you know? So I made it, I sound like a creep, but I made it like a, like a goal and a mission that within the next couple of days I would run into him and I would talk to him about it and be like, I'm setting oh you up God. with someone. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not weird. I'm so sorry. And so I, I literally stayed in my garage, cleaning my car, cleaning the garage, waiting for him to get home one day from work just because I was so mortified. And this, this was the defining moment um, where I brought it up and I said, hey, just about that LinkedIn thing. He was like, oh, yeah, I thought it was interesting that, yeah, that you'd found me on LinkedIn. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the moment where I couldn't bring myself to say that I was setting him up with someone else and I was so weirded out by that. I just sort of bluffed my way around it and just sort of the conversation ended and went inside. And I was like, why didn't I tell him? I was like, I'd be off the hook. Why didn't I tell him I was setting him up with someone else? And I was like, it was sort of like this weird, 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 weird moment where I was like, I'm not interested in this man, but why did I not want to tell him that I'm not, you know, I was so <laughs> like, you know, put off by that. And I remember, I remember my sister, I was talking to my sister at the time, and I was just sort of telling her about this. I was like, look, this is what's going on. I do just need to talk to someone because I'm just getting really weird vibes and weird feelings and I'm not quite sure how to deal with it. 
And I thought she would be a good sister that would get back to me with like, a, don't worry, like just you'll see him less, you know, keep living your life. But she just sends me this link. And I was like, okay. She's like, just have a read of this. It'll help. And I read it. And it's literally this woman, um, Bridget Hunt over in the US, who I've actually connected with since she's a blogger and whatnot. And she married a man that was 20 years older than her. Um, and I read through this whole thing for hours and I read her whole story about how unique it was and how she became a stepmom to four kids and, and all of this kind of stuff. And I literally read through this for hours and I got back to my sister. And I was like, why did you send me that? I was like, why, why did you send me that? Because obviously, you know, I'm grateful for what she did because it really sort of took the lid off my situation of me being like, oh my goodness, is this why I didn't say anything? Because I think there might be something going on here, you know? And so I had a lot of, a lot of things to work through and a lot of things to, I guess, overcome the the four main points that I would say to anyone close to me. I, I mean, not many people knew what was going on. I kept it pretty tight. Um, but the four things that I would say is I'll be like, he's my neighbor. He's not a member of the church. He has four children and he's 17 years older than me. So these four things, right. were like, surely like red flags for being like, turn away. This isn't a normal situation. You should not walk into this. Right. But I couldn't, I couldn't not keep getting to know him. And I I kept following those little feelings. I went to the temple so many times. I, you know, so many different things that kept me going. And eventually it got to the point where as far as, you know, who made the first meal, how did this start? He just sent me a text one night randomly after we'd been chatting in the garage, you know, he got home from work and he just said, do you mind if I ask how old you were? And I remember being like, oh, Oh, I've been avoiding this question. (laughs) Cause I knew, I knew there was an age gap. It wasn't, I wasn't, I I wasn't, you know, yeah, I, I was like, I know he's older. Um, you know, but told him my- I think you you have like quite a mature look as well. I'm not saying you look old, but like <laughs> no, the, the way you carry you. yourself and the way you um, articulate yourself could, he might've thought, you know, you're a bit older or closer to his age. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And he did. He actually did think I was at least five or six years older than I actually oh, was. Really? <laughs> yeah. He was like, oh, okay. And I was like, no, I knew you were about 39 or so, you know. Um, <laughs> a, the funny thing is he's like literally three to five meters from my room. I'm like, we should just talk about this. <laughs> but, you know, we just get messaging and we were like, well, neither of us feel like it, it's like the age thing didn't stop, stop us from like being like, oh, okay. And we're sort of like, dot, 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 like, okay is this what's going on now, you know, but it was so funny because, and sorry, this is getting a bit long, but at this point in time, the next day I was actually going back up home to Britain, North side of Brisbane for three weeks for my sister's wedding. And I was like, look, I'm not going to be home for the next three weeks. Let's just sort of keep in touch here and there. And when I get home, let's we'll meet up and, and we'll have a chat. So we did that. We, we kept in touch and then literally had like an incognito meeting. <laughs> one, <laughs> one housemate, beautiful Sarah knew what was going on because I needed to talk to someone in the house as soon as I got that first text. And so she was like, I loved her analogy that she shared with me. She was like, Holly, she said, when you get coming up to a set of traffic lights that are green and then it goes orange, you've got this split second decision as to whether or not you're going to brake or you're going to accelerate through the amber light. And she's like, you've got to choose what you're going to do. Um, and that for me was really cool. I was like, well, I'm usually the kind of person that goes to the accelerator. So I guess I'm just going to, you know, explore this whole situation. And so it was so just to sort of paint the picture, it was so funny being in the kitchen. Sarah was there in the kitchen, a couple of other housemates were in the kitchen and he'd messaged me this night. We were meeting up, you know, at Highgate Hill. <laughs> and, um, and he was like, Hey, like I'm going to head off. We went in separate cars. So no one was suspicious. Oh <laughs> it was full like detective style. And the funniest thing is like, we're up in the kitchen. Our doors and windows are all open. Like 
literally hear him locking his door, getting into his car. His car starts and drives away. And Sarah and I just look at each other and she's just like, no, it's, and she's like, it's time. And I was like, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? <laughs> so yeah, that was the beginning of it. Um, and we went and I guess sort of the first move of like a relationship didn't happen for a good two or so months after that, because we had a lot to discuss in those two months. Yeah. You know, it was a really um, interesting, you know, situation. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> Such a crazy story. Um, okay. So during the process of figuring out if you were going to date him or not, and then once you started hanging out a lot more and you were romantically involved, what kind of things did you have to discuss? And what was your process for receiving revelation along the way? Because obviously you were not going to go into it unless you felt it was a good thing or a right thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so funny. We we're actually just talking about this the other day, how the, that, you know, that first meeting from where we were sitting, you could actually just see the temple like over in like the tiny corner of the view. And I remember like you know, I'd been raised with a black and white view of the gospel and my parents had been raised with a black and white view of the gospel. And that was sort of, I think the culture that we were in. And I, you know, in hindsight, I was ruthless. Like I I was very adamant to him. I said, look, you know, the first time we met, I said, look, there's obviously some feelings going on here. This is really new and uncharted for both of us. Like, you know, he had no religious background whatsoever. Um, And for me to have said, like, do you see that small building? Like, that's where I will get married one day. Like, it was sort of, yeah. Like, I, and you two are sitting on a Highgate Hill (laughs) and you point across the river and you say, this is where I want. I had so much learning to do through this experience. (laughs) And, like, bless his soul for being the one that, you know, Heavenly Father was willing to put through me and this, you know, learning experience on my part because. Um, I did just have such a regimented view of how I should live my life and what I should almost expect of someone else. And I think it came out of fear. Like I was scared. I was scared to do something that I hadn't envisioned. You know, I was like, that's where I've got to get married. It was almost like this fear of like, like, that's what I've got to do. You've got to understand straight up. Like that's my expectation, full stop kind of thing. And, you know, once we sort of, you know, I shared those sort of thoughts and we're like, well, how can we sort of move forward? I, I don't know if I want to get baptized and be part of your religion kind of thing. Um, you know, it was sort of this, this interesting, I think, like I said, learning curve, you know, where he messaged me not long after I left Highgate Hill and he's like, I've sat here for a little bit of extra time, you know, just trying to process the poor guy, like trying to process the fact that this woman has just told me that I have to become part of her religion if I want to be with her. So there was a lot going through his head, you know, I, I could imagine. Um, and so we did so We did sort of start this process. Honestly, it was back and forth. And I said to him, I think we need to just work this out week to week was the way that I think I was going to cope with it. I was like, you know, let's just take it one week at a time. We need to be really honest. We need to be, have really open communication with each other um, about how this would work. And so from time to time, it was like, you know, it was back and forth. It was like, this is too hard. This is too, you know, we can't do this. But I just constantly kept feeling a pull to go back and, you know, try it again. And I went to the temple so many times just to try and get that, you know, confirmation. And I remember being in the temple at one point. And, and so I sort of said, Heavenly Father, I've understood this from previous experiences in my life that I need to come to you with my part. And I'm saying, I'm not going down this road. I just can't do this. And I had the instant feeling of that is the wrong thing. And I was like, I'm in the temple and I'm getting an answer like that. No, this can't be, (laughs) this this can't be right. Like, why am I getting this answer? And I said, all right, Heavenly Father, I'll I'll work with you here. I'll, I'll give this a go. I'll just see how we go for one week. I don't know why I I feel like I should do this because it's not what I think I should do. Um, 
but you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I just felt instant so peace. You, you felt that Heavenly Father really was directing you to Court Wayne. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at first I was so confronted by that because, because of the way I've been raised, that framework, I was like, why would Heavenly Father ask me to do something different? And you know, something, perhaps some people would argue and say she didn't really get the right answer. I know with absolute 110% certainty and conviction that Heavenly Father was asking me to do this. And that's not, wasn't just an on the whim thing. I have, like I said, had other experiences in my life that have led me to know and understand so clearly and so directly revelation from Heavenly Father. And it's a skill and something that I've had to work on. I've still got so far to go to fully be able to comprehend that. But in these moments, you know, that I had throughout the experience, I knew that I had to start trusting that Heavenly Father maybe needed me to do something different, you know, and I'm not saying that I'm like Nephi, but you know, being told to chop off a head, you know, different (laughs) things that you see throughout the scriptures. And I was like, perhaps this is my very much smaller scale version of having to really lean on, lean on the Lord and trust that Perhaps I do have to do something a little bit different, even though it's not what I feel is not, not right, but it's just not what I'm used to. So, you know, we went through this whole process, you know, these few months went back and forth. Let's not date, let's date, let's not date, let's date. Eventually just sort of made the decision. Let's just do this. Let's give this a shot. Let's start moving forward and sort of see what happens and what unfolds. It was a really challenging time. Um, you know, there was so many things that would go through both of our minds. It was a lot to process. I couldn't, some days I just couldn't get past those four points and I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Were you dating in secret at the time still? How many people knew? Um, I think, oh gosh, it actually probably wasn't until we'd steadily started dating maybe a month or two that I started sort of letting people know, um, like my parents were aware, I sort of let them know early on, look, I'm talking to this neighbor. And obviously like they had parental concern, but my parents, I'm so grateful for them because they've also seen me experience things in life where they were concerned, but they could see that I did the right thing. And so they also developed a a deep trust in me, I think as well. Um, And so when I did come to them and told them about this, obviously they were like, "Uh," and they were over in England, living in England. So they weren't here. They didn't get to meet him for several months. Uh, so, you know, they were a bit like standoffish about it, but they were so supportive. I was, I was really grateful that I received support from them, from my siblings, from, you know, my housemates that knew, um, I eventually did, you know, tell them. So I was quite surprised as I was expecting to get a little bit more judgment. And of course I've, I've had judgment, but I was really, really uh, grateful that I had quite a good support network around me. And he too, like his family, obviously we were, you know, hearing that, Wayne was dating someone significantly younger than him uh, and that she was religious, I could imagine, was also quite new and confronting for them, especially gone what, given what he had gone through. They were quite protective of him. Um, but for the most part, we really did receive a lot of support from people around us. So that did help. The reason that I didn't put it out there for quite some time was because I really needed to make sure that me and Heavenly Father were good. I really needed to make sure that I listened to the promptings and to the things that I needed to know directly from him. I am one of these people that in the past have been very quick to get thoughts and opinions from other people. <clears throat> and I knew when this started, I was like, all right, Heavenly Father, I've really got to make this about you and I. And usually I needed to feel certain in it before I started going out further and people would give me their opinions. And what I needed to be able to say, look, I love and respect your thoughts, but I know I'm where I need to be. Yeah, I can imagine that would have been very challenging um, because mm. if you didn't have that conviction that it was spiritually directed and it would have been easier to falter when people started questioning you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. 
So at what point did Wayne start learning from the missionaries? Because I know that you um, you moved out of the YSA ward and you started attending church with him. Were you steadily dating at that point? Um, when was, I think it was November that he first went to church and um, I think he started seeing the missionaries officially at the new year. Um, and that in and of itself as well, uh, like I said, so much learning because Still in his mind at that point in time, we started dating and there was still this expectation that he would learn about the gospel and that, you know, it would be awesome if he could also get married, uh, get baptized, sorry. And so I, I really- Did you go into that experience expecting that? To be entirely honest, yes. But because of all the promptings I'd had, right, all the experiences, like I had so many spiritual experiences that- um there's just, I think Heavenly Father in a way was just giving me to stay faithful and to help me keep plodding along. Um, cause I had, sorry, a little backstory. I had this really cool experience at the very, very beginning, like a few days after that very first text with how old are you? I went to Tasmania with my mum, Um, and when we were flying home, we were on a, one of those late night flights. And I remember looking out the window and this was sort of one of those defining moments for me again, where I looked down, I could see this flash of light every now and then quite randomly. And it sort of caught my attention. I was like, Oh, this light keeps disappearing and coming back. And as I started to put the pieces together, I could see that it was this river that was running along steadily. And every now and then the moon would reflect off this, this river, right? As I was, you know, looking at this river that would get illuminated every now and then, and then sometimes it would turn into a big lake and you'd see the moon for ages. The light would be on it for so long and then it would disappear again. And it was like, heavenly father was saying to me as I, cause I was praying at the time, you're going to have to trust me. There's going to be flashes of light along the way. Where, and then there's going to be seasons of darkness where you're like, where'd that light go? And then all of a sudden there's going to be a lake full of light and you'll be like, oh, you're on the right track again. And, and then it'll disappear again. But, you know, you need to trust that the light's always going to be there and that I'm always going to be there giving you inspiration when you need it. And so that was, you know, again, that's just one of those small moments that I had in the very beginning where I knew that God was with me and I knew that he was always, he was going to test me and there'd be seasons of darkness where I had to make my own decisions throughout this, but that there'd always be eventually some sort of light, some sort of, um, something that I could draw strength from and, and would be a pillar to me. So because I had all of these experiences, right, I was like, of course he's going to get baptized. Like, why wouldn't he? So I definitely went in with expectations that I can honestly say were wrong. I shouldn't have had those expectations, but I didn't know any better, right? I was just mm-hmm. living what I felt was true and what was right. And I was like this man, and I could see his potential. I was like, man, he is an amazing man through and through let alone how incredible he would be with the gospel added into his life as well and understanding his identity, the plan of salvation and happiness for families and and all of that, you know. So obviously from my perspective, I'm like, this is going to change your life and this is amazing and I'm so glad that you're now listening to the missionaries. And I didn't fully comprehend that from his perspective, he just had like this heavy expectation wearing on him. And he would sort of express that to me, but it's like my ears were just switched off for some reason. Like I would be like, oh, no, no, it's okay. Like that's understandable. So I I had a lot to learn and that's, you know, very confronting and humbling for me to have to admit that to a greater good people, you know, greater amount of people. Um, but I, I wasn't going about it in the right way entirely, but I was just doing it the way that I thought because I'd, I had no other way of knowing, you know? Mm. So that was, that was hard for him. That was, that was hard for him. And, and, you know, we eventually got to the point where I felt like the gospel was going to start sort of drawing a bit of a wedge in our marriage because it was so like, it was so hard. And so I, yeah, I I went through a process where I was like, Heavenly Father, like, what am I doing wrong here? The gospel is a plan of happiness and should be something that unifies and strengthens a marriage. But I feel like it's not really doing that right now. And, um, 
yeah, I had a lot to learn. I had a lot to learn. We'll just say that. (laughs) I was reading a couple of articles in preparation for this and one of them, um, you've probably read a whole lot, but I'll I'll share it for everyone else, uh, was from the perspective of a bunch of women who are married to people who aren't in the church. Yeah. A little excerpt because I think it's really powerful. It says, through years of prayer and study, we have come to understand that we are not responsible for our husband's conversions. Agency is a basic God-given right. The Lord told Joseph Smith, here is wisdom and let every man choose for himself. We cannot force another to accept the gospel. And the fact is that many of us will never see our spouses join the church, but we must continue to follow what we know to be true. We'll not be held accountable for their salvation, but we will be accountable for our actions and how brightly we let our own light shine. Mm. I love that. Yeah, I think we have to respect our friends and our loved ones, our spouses, um, uh, as their own people. And I think the best thing that, anyway, these articles were saying was that we just need to love. And clearly that must be very difficult to (laughs) accept, but I'm sure you're. You're on your way there. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And that's, it's amazing exactly what they say in that quote there. That's the moment where things completely shifted for me. And I just had like this awakening where, um, you know, in talking to him and throughout the experiences that ultimately made us a lot stronger. He would agree that the things that we went through in the beginning there were difficult and challenging for us, um, but have ultimately brought us closer together. And it was this moment where I had this experience where something that, you know, was going on and it's like I went to say something that I thought was right and it's like the spirit totally just held my tongue and basically I just had this overwhelming, this isn't about you, this is about Wayne and Heavenly Father. And it just completely changed me. From that moment I was like, oh, my gosh, like I'm trying to force him to Heavenly Father but that's not my responsibility. It's not my role to do that. My role is exactly as as it said, to live the gospel because I love it and because I know it's true. Wayne doesn't know everything and he doesn't feel and understand everything yet. And he's, he's willing to, he's, he's willing to listen and to learn. And that's amazing, but I can't, it's like, you know, you can't force, what is it? The force a horse to water that quote or whatever, you know, you can't force people to do stuff. And I realized that I could have this absolute undeniable faithful feeling that Wayne's going to get baptized, but where is his agency in that? Right. And that's what I realized he felt. He was like, you keep telling me that you feel these ways, but where does that leave me and my ability to choose if that's what I want? Um, Mm -hmm. And that was really, really eye-opening for me. And it just sort of, it lifted all of the pressure that I didn't realize I was feeling. It's sort of like I had these experiences and I was like, I have to fulfill this. I have to do what Heavenly Father needed me to do. But, um, you know, all of those experiences is what ultimately led me to marrying him and to being with him. And once I took that expectation away and realized that I'm in charge of my own happiness, I'm in charge of my own salvation, it just completely changed. It completely changed our marriage. It completely changed his perspective of the gospel, knowing that I've basically said, Hey, it's in your hands. Now you do what you're comfortable with. I'm going to keep living the way I want to live. And you're, and he's fully supportive of how I live the gospel in the home um, and whatnot. And then I'm fully supportive of how he lives. And that's almost like melted away those expectations and pressures and that he's willing now to, you know, he gets involved when he wants to, and he doesn't when he doesn't want to. Um, and it's just been an absolute game changer. Obviously it was incredibly challenging for me to go through that because I'm a very like, you know, I can be not stubborn, but like, if I feel I need to do something, I will do it. <laughs> um, you know, so that was also a very humbling experience for me as well, but just was, um, yeah, just absolutely amazing to be able to 
to learn that and to learn those those you know um, pivotal things there that completely changed our marriage and and has helped um, in him you know being more open to the gospel rather than resentful because it's like my wife is forcing me to learn this stuff and it was yeah. taking away the spirit for him and, and the opportunity to learn for himself so yeah it reminds me of there's the scripture in second Nephi where it talks it's talking about agency but the one word that I love it says cheer up your hearts and remember that you're free to act for yourselves mm. like because of agency there is joy have cheer lift mm. up your heart and and I think choosing to respect your your spouse and love him for who he is yes is what heavenly father would want from you at this point in time <laughs> yeah exactly yeah Absolutely. And I mean, of course it's hard because I would always just say, but I'm just doing this to help you. Like I'm, I was literally just coming from a perspective of like, I wouldn't want to cause, you know, any sort of issues for you, for your family, for anything. Like I think from my perspective, I'm just literally trying to change your life. But, you know, again, you can't put that on someone else. It needs to be something that they want to design, that they're willing to let into their lives as well. So, um, yeah. So it sounds like you you and Wayne were able to reconcile those differences. When did you decide to get married and, and what was that process like? Um, it's quite funny. He was working up in Mackay at the time, so he would come back uh, just for kid weekends. Um, and I remember there was this one particular time where he came home and we had this discussion about something. And um, anyway, he went to the airport and we were just messaging back and forth. And it was so funny because we just messaged and it was like, do you think we should just get married? <laughs> It was funny because, you know, I was so like at peace. I had known, you know, I didn't admit it to many people. And my mum will tell you that she knew straight away that I was going to marry this man from the very beginning. And I knew it too, but I didn't admit it to myself or to anyone for a very long time because I just sort of, I had that feeling. I was like, Heavenly Father's not bringing me down this this path without fully committing to this. Like I, what other reason will, am I here for, you know? Um, so I always knew very early on that I was going to marry him. Obviously from Wayne's perspective as well, he still had those, expectations and the apprehensions of letting me down. And, and, um, I know one big thing that really did wear on him a lot was the feeling of I deserved better. And it was, I hated, I, it was really hard for me to hear him say that because I was like, you're an amazing man. And regardless of what happens, being married to you will be incredible. But for him, he really did feel like he didn't want to let me down. He's like, I know what you need from uh, someone in the gospel. He's like, I know what you need from a priesthood holder and you won't have that until I get baptized or if I don't get baptized. You know, so I know it was really hard for him because he felt like he was leading me away from what I needed to do. And so it was quite hard for him to understand and accept when I came to him and said, no, I, contrary to what I said in the very beginning, like you need to understand that in the beginning I was black and white about this but it's because I was ignorant and I was, I was unprepared and I was scared. But throughout this journey with you and with Heavenly Father, I know that I'm where I need to be and I know that this is what I want. And that was hard for him to sort of accept that I wasn't just changing my mind because um, it was hard for him to understand and sort of comprehend that I had a relationship with Heavenly Father and that I was fully, he was fully supportive of this when apparently he was the one that told me in the beginning that I needed to get married in the temple, Does that, if that makes sense. So, you know, that was a lot for him to sort of come to terms with. But eventually, you know, the more and more we spoke and, um, you know, we would pray together. He was very open. We would pray together and um, and whatnot. And we, we got to the point where it just it felt right. And I said, you know, I can't imagine not being married to you. And if I think about turning away and if I was to walk away from you and not just you, but these children that I have grown to love, I know that I would have been walking away from the life that was meant for me and that I was meant to be a part of. And yeah, so we then made the decision. It was like, I think at that point in time, it was maybe 
May or June and we're like, if we're going to get married this year, it's got to be August is the last possible month because I don't do well in summer. And I was like, I'm not sweating in my wedding dress. <laughs> um, so then I said, we either get married in August or we get married next year in April, May. And we both knew that August felt right. And side note, so glad that we did, because if we hadn't have, we would have been having either a COVID wedding or we would have been putting it off because of this whole pandemic. So yeah. it was all absolutely timely. And and of course, from a secular, secular perspective, he was like, we're going to have to plan a wedding in like two or three months. And I was like, oh, honey, that is so doable. <laughs> um, you know, slightly stressful from time to time, but it was doable. And so, yeah, at that point on, we are like, all right, well, let's start, let's start doing it. Let's start planning this. And I actually didn't get proposed to until about two weeks before the wedding because he was working away. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, yeah, it was our story and it worked and we got on with it. <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so Wayne has, is it three kids? Four, yeah. Four. So what was it like becoming a wife and a mother all in the same day? <laughs> Again, if anyone had have told me like a few years ago that this was my life, I would have laughed at them because I was like, that is not the, you know, the life I would will have. But now that I'm here, I wouldn't want it any other way. Obviously, um, you know, taking on a family situation is a lot. And, you know, it's, it's something that I, I ultimately feel privileged to be a part of. And I know I'm where I need to be. These kids are absolutely amazing. So, um, Mariah, she's now 17. And then uh, we've got a 12 year old, 10 year old and a seven year old, uh, three boys. And, um, uh, Mariah has a different mum to the three boys. And so, you know, there's been an interesting dynamic there, obviously with, uh, with that, but all of the kids, I've just been so amazed and so blessed, especially, especially having you know, I have a stepdaughter who is now 17 and I'm 25. That would be for some teenagers would be like, this is ridiculous. Like I can't take this seriously, but the Lord blessed me with an amazing stepdaughter who is just incredible. She was so open. She was so welcoming. I had a a beautiful letter sitting here on my bedside table when I got home from our honeymoon, just telling me how grateful she was for me. Um, and the three boys, you know, just fully accepted me. And I was just so blessed in that sense. Obviously it's been bumpy from time to time because now that, you know, we're, once we got, I think once we got married, especially for the younger ones, it made them realize like, oh, this is commitment. Holly's sticking around. And so they sort of started to see me more and more in a parental role and would push buttons here and there and, and whatnot. But that was all just part of it. And it's almost like I embraced any time, you know, I might've had to discipline because I was like, at least it means they see me as that parent role, you know? So um, mm. Lots to figure out, but Wayne and I were just so communicative, you know, through that process and he would always support me in my role as a stepmom. Um, yeah, so I, I, it hasn't really been hard. I would say that there's been challenges from time to time, but I don't know, when you have the conviction, again, when you know that Heavenly Father needs you to be somewhere, you can get through those moments that are hard and it makes it all worth it. And like I said, I couldn't imagine not being here. I think it would tear me apart if I wasn't here in this situation doing what I'm doing so that's beautiful and do you see the kids is it every weekend every second weekend yeah every fortnight weekend and here and there different times you know over school holidays we'll have them have them for a week or so and and whatnot so um obviously we'd love to see them more often but that's yeah that's the arrangement that we've got at the moment so what are you most excited about for your future with Wayne and do you are you guys planning on having kids of your own or yeah so um it's something that I think we've both felt like it's, it will be right for us to perhaps add to the family. Um, it's definitely something that we're very open to receiving inspiration if that is right. And, and when the right time is, obviously Wayne is a little bit older, so it's not something that we would necessarily delay for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's definitely a big one that I think we will 
we'll know. We'll know when the right time and if it's if it's the right thing for us. And yeah, we're just really, really loving life together. We're looking forward to, you know, one day, you know, moving out of the city. We do want to end up on a farm sort of out in a bit more away from the city and, and living that sort of lifestyle. Um and yeah, and as far as whatever happens in the future with Wayne and the gospel, with you know, all that kind of stuff, I just have absolute faith and trust in Heavenly Father, regardless of what happens. I know he's a loving God and whether this life, the next, whatever it is, he's looking after me. He's looking after Wayne. He's looking after these kids. And, um, and that's, that's amazing. I'm happy. I'm at peace. I, I love it. I love him. I love the kids. I love my father in heaven. And I know that, you know, he's always going to be looking after us and that everything will work out just the way it's meant to when we're doing our best to follow him. So, um, I'm very happy. Oh, Holly, I have a big smile on my face and I have goosebumps. <laughs> it's really beautiful to hear that um, despite the challenges, you've reached a point where, um, you, you know, you're content with what Heavenly Father has directed you to do and, yeah, that you're happy. I think it's beautiful. Mm. And it ties really well into the next question, which um, I ask on the podcast for everyone that comes on. I wanted to see what does choosing faith look like to you? Oh, it's such a hard thing to narrow down. <laughs> um, but I think ultimately for me, you know, choosing faith is just choosing to trust in a, in a higher plan, in a higher power, in, in a father in heaven who loves me and to trust when times look confusing, when I can't see too far ahead of me, when I'm doing something that is unconventional, whatever it may be, that if I feel and if I if I know and, and trust and believe that it's the spirit that I'm being guided to do that, that I just have to do it. Um, and I have to do it knowing that at some point it will make sense, whether in this life or the next, but that ultimately doing it is what's going to strengthen my relationship with Heavenly Father and is also actually going to allow him to trust me more, to be able to make decisions and to know that I am going to listen to him. Um, and that's ultimately going to affect, you know, my future and my life and the, my purpose because there'll be this mutual trust between me and Heavenly Father that he knows he can rely on me to listen to him, to do whatever it is he needs me to do, conventional or not. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Listening to Holly's story inspired me to be more courageous when it comes to following spiritual promptings. I mean, her courage landed her a husband, so there must be something in that. If you know someone like Holly, whose faith in God and Jesus Christ just shines through them, I'd love the chance to meet them and share their story so that it might inspire others. You can get in touch with me via Facebook or Instagram using the handle Choosing Faith Podcast. See you next week.